Yeah, so my, I, I just, I think that it's, it's not just one size fits all, but like, we don't, we don't tend to care what you're good at. <laughs> we, there's no real sort of easy way to figure out sort of, think about that. That's a, it's kind of an odd thing, but like your life's work, what you commit your life to do, you know, what, what you do on this planet, um, that's what we're trying to train people on that we're trying to create sort of you know more complete humans but not really right we're like it's a lot of the systems aren't a lot of the systems even in college are not built to get you to figure out what you like they're built to kind of pick you a major and then get you through in four years uh and that's odd uh it's it's an odd thing now on the you know on the, there's the other flip side, right? Which is I've heard of like very free form universities and very free form schools where they kind of it's 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 completely unrelated to practical outcomes. Which is the pendulum swing in the other direction. We need some practicality. We need some people that can do some things or at least have some basic skills. But I feel like most standard education, at least at a state school, it swings in the opposite direction. It's a little bit more of a factory. It's a little bit more of like get you through here as quickly as possible and, and we're gonna indoctrinate you in that in that language. But the but like the open secret or the thing that talks about is in many fields, not fields like if you want to go into medicine, right? There's a very strict amount of things you have to you have to be able to walk into a lab and you have to not like blow yourself up or melt your hand off with, you know, the hydrochloric acid, right? right? So there are those fields like math well as well, right? If it's wrong, it's just... It's wrong, right? Quite frankly, it's wrong. But if you're talking about fields like communications, like, or we're talking about specifically, say, journalism, the open secret is, let's look at, like, who's working in journalism right now and see what degrees they have, right? Is it possible to have a history degree and be working in journalism? It most certainly is, mm-hmm. right? Because many of, like, the major colleges have no straight-up journalism department. So some things still are about what have you done? Like, so can you be working in anthropology because you love anthropology? You really want to see, like, the evolution of man or the evolution of culture or the evolution of, you know, society and still, like, write for a student newspaper (laughs) or, you know, be involved in some kind of communications activity where you have that experience. I think, again... Thinking broadly instead of narrowly, I think we get re- we mess that up a lot for students coming in, um, or we or we, we we generally don't assist with that or advise like you said before. So, what do you think is what do you think we need to do? Like, I, I, obviously, this is a very broad question. Yeah, it could be yeah. answered so many millions of ways. Yeah. And there are people who actually get paid to think about what it is we need to do. But, like... So, a couple of things. For, from an outsider's perspective, I guess it makes sense when you think about it. But from an outsider's perspective, the lack of diversity in academia is shocking. Mm-hmm. And not I'm not actually even talking about racial diversity at all. Uh, I'm saying diversity of thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, what I've realized is a lot of academics have gone through the same sort of hazing process of getting their master's and their PhD and stuff like that. And so 
you've been trained in the system. Academia is a system. You've been trained in the system. You've been trained in research and publishing and conferences and sort of that culture of rigor. And it's a great, it's a great culture, but it's at certain points it's incompatible with certain professional outcomes. And I think we just need more diversity of thought to be able to even identify the issue. That's, I guess, why I started there, that you need more, uh, you need different thinkers who have had different professional outcomes. And I don't even mean that in terms of jobs. I mean, like, um, how many people here have been here for 5, 10, 15 years plus? That's a very different mindset than the mindset of someone like me who's worked in, you know, places. And I mean, I'll be here three years next year and that this is the longest I've worked in a place. Yeah. So that's a very different fundamental mindset. And I'm not saying one's right or the other's right. right. I'm just saying there's not a lot of me here and there's a lot of the other side of things here. So I think that's just an influx of new, I don't want to even say talent, but just more exchange is going to help improve the curriculum because anybody, I feel like anybody who's happy with their life, anybody who's sort of like had a meandering career path that enters into academia in a teaching capacity or even in a, in a, in a consultant capacity uh, is going to have an impact. It's going to be a disruptor in some way. So that's that would be one of my first things. It's, I think it's about talent and perspective and having diversity in talent and perspectives in colleges, which is not something I'm surprised there's not there doesn't seem to be a desire for that. There's there's a desire for what people are calling like professional outcomes or professional experience, yeah. but there's not people aren't sort of reverse engineering that and going, oh, what we're actually looking for is some counterbalance, some, not full counterbalance, but some counterbalance to the academic sort of um, perspective on things uh, as we exchange. So, I mean, that's, that would be one of my first things is just a, more more people, different people, yeah. uh, and encouraging different people to come and sort of relish in this different sort of context. I'm in full agreement with that. I think some, some places actually offer uh, spots, permanent positions for what they call like practitioners who continue to work in the field. I also think that it's, it is possible for people who are full on academics to, you know, go out there and, <laughs> and you know, do some, find out what's happening yes. and do, yes. some, do some, you know, faculty internships and stuff like that. that. And that's actually, I think, probably necessary, you know, once every once in a while to see what it is that people that they're training are going to go through or may go through. But I think my in my thoughts, it goes back to perhaps the legislature, but it, it goes back to the narrative that we have, the rhetoric also surrounding what higher education is and should be in the United States. Like I said, we need to distinguish there are various different kinds of post-high school programs or studies that people can go through and that's perfectly fine when we talk about higher education we're usually talking about four-year and you know colleges and universities what should the narrative be what must a university produce as far as students and i think we need to change that narrative among people who are unfortunately in power because it's not just a factory for creating widgets, the widgets being students that mm -hmm. all look alike or all, you know, get specific kinds of jobs. But it is a place that, you know, perhaps helps to mold the clay, but it's not the rest of the molding has to be done by the student themselves. And, and I think 
changing the rhetoric and narrative around colleges and universities is a paramount necessity for the future going forward. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. Uh, I hate that we're agreeing so much because I like when there's I like when there's <laughs> conflict. Uh, so I'll say something slightly controversial and see how that goes. Uh, I I also think there needs to be. I think there needs to be harder looks at regionality. Hmm. We're a big old country. Sure. And I have no idea what it's like to live in and, and grow up in West Virginia. And that West Virginian has no idea what it's like to grow up as a Latino in Miami. And that Latino in Miami has no idea what it's like to grow up in Portland, Oregon. Uh, those are very different contexts. And, um, you know... I, I think I think as Americans we tend to not like it's just the, the reality situation is we tend to not move away from home sometimes like different people go to different places and people self-select so I think it's taking a look at you know I don't even know if SEC is the right word but like what is the University of Florida about uh, what what is Florida about what are the what are what are the ways that people are working in and around Florida that Florida can sort of help, uh, you know, reflect back and forth, learn from, grow from, all that kind of stuff. I do think there's an element of regionality mm-hmm. uh, here because you go, you, most people go to elementary school, middle school, high school. It, it tends to be a fairly linear thing. So I, I, I don't think that. I don't think that the state schools, or rather, the schools in states are really thinking about what makes their geography unique from a people standpoint and how, you know, I think it's, it feels a little bit more, you know, generic than that. There's just a generic sort of teaching obligation. So I think that like, I think being more specific and more community driven, frankly, like what, you know, what does this community want and need from, you know, a future? Um, the other thing that I'd say, that's a weird sort of aside, but I think there's something about geography. I also think there's something about the future. And what I mean by that is like, you have all these stats saying, you know, in 2050, such such, such and such many jobs, most of the jobs will be jobs we haven't even heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of like, what does the post-job era look like? <laughs> Not to be, you know, what, what does it look like? when automation has has sort of run its course, what does it look like that this technology curve that we're on sort of it seems to be leading towards a certain outcome? What is the role of higher education philosophically when you remove the jobs from it? Uh, and I don't know that very many colleges are asking that question, you know, or even departments are asking that question of themselves. Um, I think people are aware that markets are changing and jobs and we got to be training, you know, for skills, not jobs. But I, I really don't think that there's been a good hard look at like what a post jobs college environment looks like and what its role is. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe someone somewhere is, is having that conversation, but I don't hear those conversations very often. Yeah, I, as far as your first uh, comment, so we have some points of disagreement because big state flagships like where we are right now are their duty particularly if they're land grant their duty is to focus on the needs of 
their state okay. in particular. How they do that, however, is another question. Like usually, if it's a land grant, they, they have an ag school, right. which is like, let's talk about what we produce and you know how we keep our crops great and how we like process our meats and stuff like that, which is great. And, and awesome. I also think like one of the ways that a university does it is through research, which quite frankly, if you think about the, the ideas related to teaching and research, often there's this big conflict between what we're teaching and the amount of time that we, or money we spend on research, which I think is problematic. When we, when we think about it, actually I think research should be, the, uh, be a part of teaching, right? Hmm. So how do we get um, what we're thinking about theoretically and not even or practically depending on where you are or what department you're in um, and we put that in the hands of students and let them think about like what does this mean then for me as I move towards my chosen profession or whatever I'm going to do so I think we have that what I, what I think though is that um, perhaps we don't always do a good job of training students to not stay where they are Hmm. So should you, as a Latino kid in Miami, be able to go and flourish in, you know, Chicago? Hmm. Should you be able to go to Denver or West Virginia, quite frankly, yeah. and be able to flourish? That's what I'm thinking about when I'm, when I'm saying, like, be able to think broadly, be able to think big. How do you adapt to situations and still prosper? I think... When we talked about earlier, we talked about, you know, getting into students, getting into classes and being concerned about grades or whatever, and less about the process of learning. I think that goes to the point of being able to go to a new place and adapt and be successful. I hmm. think that we talk about teaching big thinking and, and those issues, perhaps. I could be wrong. Though. I mean... I love, uh, I, I see your point on the regionality thing. You're absolutely, you know, I do feel like uh, you're right. I, I think what I was trying to get at with that regionality thing is, you know, it just, it just feels like as a country, we're more and more different. And you're right. Uh, I think the points of exchange are, are important. Mm -hmm. I, I also think sort of like, to go to West Virginia or Ohio or, you know, uh, I don't know that there's been as much responsiveness to the problems there, or at least like, those, uh, you know, there's certain regions where it feels like the record's skipping a beat in terms of serving the actual people, what they might, you know, need on a fundamental level and asking some fundamental questions. And, you know, uh, adaptability clearly is a huge, you know, adaptability is a huge skill that I don't think we teach enough of and I wonder what it looks like to have an adaptability major. I wonder what it looks like to say I majored in adaptability or I majored in prosperity. Right? Like those, I, I love those two words, adaptability for prosperity because to be prosperous is beyond making money. Uh, if you're prospering, it's actually across probably a number of human realities. Mm -hmm. um, and, and to be adaptable is sort of a fundamental skill that involves curiosity and imagination. A lot of things that, uh, frankly, as we had professionals come in, they're seeing a lack of that in junior talent. They're seeing a lack of that in, in the people that we pump out of here. Um, 
And I don't know that it's a learning outcome a lot of times. I don't know that it's on a, on a granular level or on a larger level. If you look at the courses, if you look at the curriculum, if you look at how uh, how people engage, yeah. you know, uh, show me what you do and I'll show you who you are is kind of one of my things. And I see a lot of people who have not been trained in how to think, how to, how to be adaptable, how to, how to think without a, a sort of crystallized system. And... You know, you, you ask what we do about it, and there's some la- there's larger things. In the end, I struggle with this because I think I'm here, and I'm here as long as I'm here at you, you know, at the university. In part because of that service and like that that wanting to sort of like you know spit in the wind, fight the good fight, sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I just see so much need. It's also. There's a con- and not to have teachers talking about teachers, but there's a conversation about teachers here as well. There's a conversation about caretakers, and 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 I think that's across any sort of uh, profession that helps people or, sure. or serves people. But there is a conversation about us, about you know how how do we value teachers or lecturers or professors? Uh, it's funny because I think in popular culture, at least right now, teacher has some nice warm fuzzy feelings uh probably underpaid right professor almost has the opposite pop cultural sort of thing which is and that affects the legislature that affects the politicians which is like these people in their ivory tower with their big degrees who aren't thinking of anything practical you know teaching you know left wing blah 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 (laughs) like the uh, in a lot of ways the professors and the lecturers have become the enemies Uh, the the narratives out there about the enemies and but everybody has a professor that changed their life everybody has a teacher that changed their life Uh, and there's an imbalance there I think when you talk to a lot of the people who are on the ground trying to fight the good fight in some ways uh, there's an exhaustion there's a collective exhaustion there's a collective you know the problems seem so large and there's always more people to help and there's always more people to teach and the support's just kind of not there. Absolutely. Um, so I do think that's one of the things I, I, you know, one of the things that we can do to change that is to create healthier teachers, is to create healthier, healthier practitioners of this thing called, you know, teaching and learning. Yeah. Uh, and that's not a conversation a lot of people are having. No. Uh, politically, pop culturally, otherwise. Yeah. Um, and I'm not trying to say woe is me or anything like that. It's frankly a privilege to be able to affect lives and all that kind of stuff. But if I were not a stronger person, I would probably be I get I get the cynicism, I get the exhaustion, I get all of it. Um, and nobody no everybody says it's it's funny because I was working in, in, in my career, I was working in professional in a professional context, and then I've I've come here. And I'm not saying that what I was expecting was pats on the back or anything like that. But I think to my friends and to outsiders, it's just another job. Like it's a, it's just a, a different sort of job. And they, there hasn't been a difference between my teaching self and my sort of professional self. But as I think about my own life, teaching has drastically, drastically changed a, a, a wider range of, of, um, things about my life Uh, and I don't know that most people realize the struggle Uh, again it's not a woe is me thing it's just a reality um, that 
that a lot of people don't really sit there and think about certain professions. I think about nurses too, sure. uh, healthcare practitioners, uh, and don't think about the fact that these are people who are holding up some institutions that are vital to our collective well-being, and they're kind of gone ignored. I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> completely agree with you. And just thinking about um, the expectations for for uh, uh, professors or ecology instructors, and what out again. This is about evaluation and and valuing of work and what that actually means whether it means things like access to medical care and mental health care and and you know child care services for those who have children those kinds of things is access to support systems where they can find it and access quite frankly to other people who mm-hmm. you know they can vent with or just have community with in various places. I think that's a, a very important issue and probably an issue we'll probably need to come back to at, at some point in time. But I have a question for you in our last sort of like 10 minutes. Yeah. And it's something I struggle with and, and I just wonder as we talk about jobs and we talk about life and, and, and teaching and, and, and work, what is the role of parents or 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 upbringing or or right like so home training (laughs) right so what and then how how do we how how does higher education even grapple with that factor uh you know that question partially comes from so many of my students going uh, well, I need to get an internship with a good agency because my parents won't pay for me to move unless I get it with a good agency. Or, well, I can't get, I can't stay for that extra semester because my parents won't let me. Or like, you know, so many, so so much of our dreams and our aspirations are, you know, can be undermined sure. or limited by that sort of upbringing where where you come from. Uh, it's funny because maybe I'm disproving my, my point about regionality, but what, what role does higher education have in, in sort of counter-programming yeah. or, or in joining together, you know, with, with that, I hate to say parents, but... <laughs> I mean, so it's not just parents, but like systems, right? Yes, that, yes. That whether it's, you know, organizational or whatever, just systems that they are used to, right, yes. familiar with. Um, so I would say that higher education is supposed to be a resource. It's like the library. The library is there, public library anyway, is there, and it's open from whatever time to whatever time. It's, you know, seven days a week almost, depending on what what city you live in or what municipality. It's there. It's available. You can go in and choose what books you want. Nobody is forcing you to choose the book that goes against your, you know, upbringing or the system that you're involved in however it's there and if you choose to pick it up it's available for you and it could challenge that now whether when it challenges that you have to remember you picked up the book you know what i'm saying yeah no one forced you right to pick up the book and it's not a bad thing to be challenged that's a number one thing that people need to to know it's okay to have conflict now you need to do decide what you're going to do with that conflicting information are you going to say oh you know whatever or are you going to understand that 
as a larger society, there are people who think differently than you do. So what I think is that higher education is a resource. It, it has become a necessity, but it's a resource and it has, it offers a lot of different viewpoints and perspectives and trainings and, and other things for people. Whether or not they choose it is up to them, I think. And you're hitting on something that's kind of maybe blowing my mind apart and making my, my melt out of my ears, which is like, you know, why isn't it a role? And I guess guidance counselor is supposed to be this role, but why isn't it a role to have someone coming in from the college side of things, from the university side of things, and entering in, you know, early, not just high school, but maybe even middle school and maybe even elementary school, and not recruiting, not going, you should be a gator. But actually setting the stage a little bit, planting the seeds of like, here's what our role is in your future, Mm -hmm. if you so choose to take it on. Here are some other organizations that might have a role in your future, right? Who, what, what middle schooler or high schooler can actually articulate the difference between a community college and a university? Mm -hmm. And not just in a, well, I know that if I can't get into university that I have to get into community college, which is... You know, candidly, some of my best students have transferred from community colleges. Some of my best students, some of my most imaginative, yeah. scrappy, entrepreneurial students have come from that, the, the community college tradition, trade schools, all that kind of stuff. No one is really setting. So if you don't have a parent who's curious, if you don't have a teacher or a guidance counselor who wants to go that extra mile and lay out all your options in front of you, or at the very least, help you understand sort of like what's out there, what what are the different options post this K through 12 sort of mandatory experience that you're going through. I don't know that that, I don't know that many people, I don't know that many people feel that they even have an option. Yeah, I think the problem in the United States still is that many people haven't gone to university or any kind of uh, post, you know, high school education we still are a country that's fairly young when the tradition of a lot of people going to uh going to college or or trade school or whatever we're still very young with that we still have a significant portion of the population that hasn't or doesn't go to school and and again that's perfectly fine i mean it poses a lot of challenges but that what that means is that you may not have a lot of parents who know right because they don't have that experience or that knowledge, right? right? So they're navigating it first generation right along with their kids. Yep. So when they hear like, oh, this university or this college offers a 87%, you know, job, you know, once, you know, job rate, once you graduate, they're like, good, because then you won't have to struggle perhaps like I did or like so-and-so down the block did whatever and you can get probably get a job coming out of here so again we have there's a lot of different factors that go into this there's social there's economic there's cultural or whatever right um and one of those is you still have a a large population in the united states that people haven't gone to school they haven't they don't know so it would be a good thing to have you know all schools particularly all public schools at least right that's those are the ones we can control right, right. all public schools in the united states have you know uh, strategic connections with the university in their state or nearby right so if we're thinking regionally right 
you know, if it's the next county over or whatever the case may be, that they can bring in either students or, or people to talk to the students. However, we know that we've been talking about higher education in this. We know that our K through 12 system, our public K through 12 system, they don't have a lot of time to do a whole lot of extra stuff, right? Yeah. So, I mean, again, it's a challenge. It's, it's a systemic challenge to education in the United States. I have an odd little thing to maybe end on yeah. uh, as a conversation bit, which is when I was six, mm-hmm. uh, like many young boys, I loved and I still do love video games. Mm-hmm. And I remember from even that early of an age when I would like beat a video game, uh, they would have credits. And I remember looking at the credits and pretending or imagining that my name were in the credits. Yeah. Uh, and I bring it up because at six, making video games or being a part of making video games, you don't really understand how video games are made or who did the role or whatever, but it does sort of, it forced my brain to go, okay, you know, how do, how do I get there? How, how do I... How do, they, how do you make a video game? What, mm-hmm. what is it, you know, what's that process like? What, you know, what about, you know, it, it's, it was the seed of imagination that nobody really stamped out into me. Uh, and, it, and I think as I look at my even scholastic career, the reason I took Japanese culture at, you know, university was because of that love of video games and nobody going, well, you're never going to do that anyway, so why are you even interested in that? And I wonder about that. I, every kid, right, every, every under six-year-old says they want to be something. Sure. And what I love about answers from under six-year-olds about what, what do you want to be when you grow up, which I think is a great way of framing that question and supposed to like, what, what work do you want to do? What company do you want to work for? What do you want to do when you grow up? I love that it, it, it usually varies from everything from video game maker to I want to be a princess, I want to be a dragon, I want to be a janitor, I want to, you know, there's no limits. Right. It really is just based on what you're interested in and what your, what your gut is telling you and, you know, yeah, some social cues and all that kind of stuff. So I'm curious, do you think that that six-year-old, what do you want to be when you grow up, is something that we should nurture and nourish and sort of protect all the way through? Is it the job of the college experience to rekindle that or reconnect you with that? Or, or is this conversation, is that too hippie? Is that too, is that too, because I, I get that that might be, you know, people saying work means work and and that those are childish dreams or whatever. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that moment in your life and how it connects with higher education and sort of what we've been talking about. So, you know, I think the the role of the the college, again, I think is my answer from the last question still stands is that it's a resource and it's available to you. So, you know, if you walk into the library downtown, there are different levels, there are different subject matter areas, and you can go into each of those or any of those and find out what it is that you want. So if it is 
I would be a dragon. You know what? There is a whole swath on reptiles on and fire relating on, yeah, us scales. to myth- mythology, <laughs> right? So it's available for you to have. What I don't know is the social part. And the social part is when that little kid said, you know what? I'm going to be smog, right? A dragon <laughs> at you. I'm gonna, who said, who told you you couldn't be smog, right? right. And so is it this is well before they even walk into yeah. the, to the university, right? Yeah. Who told you you couldn't be smog? Who told you you had to be like, you know, the watermen? Right. You know, or or who who told you you had to be a a uh, you know a troll or a goblin or or a hobbit? Who told you that? Right. Why can't you be smog? Right. So. I wonder if it's like more of the social thing that, but you know, schools can't really do much about besides produce continuing to produce smogs right and saying like look we have this available for you you can cobble together you know your smog right. you know degree you can, in smogology yeah. or yeah. dragonology and that's available for you now it's your your turn to go out and say look kids look look at the dragon i become you know yeah so i don't know how much and quite frankly with the funding situations mm-hmm. what universities can do when it's not necessarily universities who are saying you can't be a dragon it's other things yeah so then that goes back to the role of the university in society probably too but also the conflicts between the systems and the universities and it, you know it might it might speak to that sort of geography thing it yeah. might it might speak to the role of the university to say to teach it to to, to help to be that you know shining light upon a, a hill sort of thing where college isn't uh, imagine a future where college isn't the last check mark that you have to fill but imagine a, a, a <laughs> check mark uh, but imagine a, 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 a future where college is the place where you get to like make yourself into a dragon where you get to sort of do where it's not the last stop but it's actually sort of uh, seen as this resource, this launching pad, this thing that's there where you can sort of practice alchemy, right. where you can sort of transform <laughs> exactly. and, and become, you know, whatever the heck you want. I don't know that that's where we're at culturally quite yet. I don't know that, you know, culturally it's go to college and you can be whatever you want. I think right now it's go to college and you get a job. Uh, and a job versus whatever you want is they are very different sort of cultural things yeah uh well i hope this has been a resource for whoever's listening right or at least a part of the discussion um certainly it's it's a discussion that can keep going on and on and on but yeah it's one of those we need to talk about so if you if you got some things to say talk about it with your neighbor Maybe one day we'll have a call-in podcast or yeah. something. Uh, thanks for joining us. I'm Betty Torres. I'm Jasmine McNeely. And this has been Academia. Academia. Uh. <laughs> cool. Cool. Uh, that's a little.